Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Deed. It's The Deed Show with Adam and Aaron Fleming and our special guest today, Justin Fike. We are going to have a good time for 25 minutes. It's going to be a blast of information and hilarity. We are all authors and we are all fun. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about writing and uh, I'm going to kick it off here. Um, I'm just going to mention briefly my own first novel debut offering hey. here, Kingmaker. M. Fleming. You can find it on Amazon and BookBub and Goodreads and wherever books are sold on the interwebs. Um, uh, check out my Facebook page. Aaron M. Fleming has me wearing lots of suits and corduroy and stuff like that, looking like a real <laughs> author, Kingmaker. <laughs> and I'm just about done with uh, with the sequel, Skeleton Company, in which Hunter seeks after his daughter and tangles with armies of undead and the Empire's angriest female constable. And of course, Checkway is his usual self, sometimes going into battle in the nude. But other than that, <laughs> it's totally PG-13 too. There's no descriptions of... Bits. We all we all know what nudity looks like. So <laughs> battle Aaron, nudity, especially. <laughs> Aaron, I'm still waiting for us uh and um some kind of code to get your audiobook. Yeah, King yeah, Maker. I do have codes that are supposed <laughs> to give away free samples of my audiobook. Uh, it is uh Kingmaker is on audiobook, so I'll try to hook you up with that, Adam, and we'll see if it works this time. Yeah, Adam, go ahead I want to review it yourself. I can't wait to review it on my blog and um, and my newsletter and stuff. So, okay, five books set going on sale today, ebook only for ninety nine cents. All five of these books for ninety nine cents. So you're gonna want to check that out. Um, that's today, meaning um, April 29th, ninth, twenty twenty two, and for the next week, these will be on sale for ninety nine cents. I'm never gonna do that again because this is like five years of work. In these five books it is you get satchel pong and the great migration satchel pong and the search for emil ennis antoinette joe and the sky dwellers you get saint kips to fur and the miraculous yar karma and you get the prophets of doom and leap leaping hedgehog all for 99 cents this is a steampunk fantasy series it's not the only thing i've written but it's what i'm promoting right now and without further ado we're going to jump in with justin fike and we're going to do some fun games and then we're going to have him tell us about his books. We'll make sure that that happens before we're done. And you can probably expect to see Justin Fike on with me as uh, Aaron is taking a break for a couple of months. So Justin will probably be helping me host these in the near future. Uh, let's start with a one, one, um, one word at a time story. And the theme is Belize. Belize. Since we've all been there. <laughs> have we all been there? I think I so. Have. Yes. Okay. All right. We've all at been least, there a while ago. We've all been there at least once. Okay. I believe I have. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> you, better, you better Belize it. Okay. Every t-shirt. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. One word at a time. Uh, so we'll go in alphabetical order which means Aaron, Adam, Justin. Fish. In. The. Sea. Are. Swimming. Near. The. Face. Of. My. Daughter. 
that daughter? Daughter. Yeah. She is not in the right frame of mind. <laughs> Belize on a Oh, oh, that was ah, like yeah. the letter uh, A. No, it was on a, an article. Not, not I thought you were just yeah. pausing to see. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, Belize on a. Uh, Belize on a stick. <laughs> Is what we hope we eat delicious. Was that your word or was just that just commentary? <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> uh, delicious, she cried. As we ate barracuda and iguana and monkey brains. That's two words. <laughs> Scene. No, there's, a, there's a hyphen. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it's, it's hyphenated. Hyphenated. Hey, we're Where's... throwing out all the grammatical rules today, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is a Kerouac story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Second one. Um, we will continue with the same order. Uh, no, let's go in reverse. So, Justin, Adam, Aaron, new theme. Somebody else come up with a theme. Let's go. Pirates. Okay. Pirates of Belize are. <laughs> Oops, it's not my turn. It's not your turn. <laughs> Pirates of Belize want to plunder you always in the nude. <laughs> Delicious, <laughs> said Captain Jones. She <laughs> never felt comfortable around <laughs> clothing <laughs> because it felt hot always however pirates have a cutlass <laughs> therefore she liked armor <laughs> and rum <laughs> naturally just throwing out pirate words here. <laughs> Shiver. With cannons. <laughs> and Coke. Carrots. <laughs> Swooped through the Masts as a shark 
Chomped. Captain. Jones's. Butter knife. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> I think we can now say we have reached the bottom of our creative well. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. folks, read our books. They're really creative and good. Oh, oh my word. That wasn't oh, too bad. That was okay. <laughs> I'm glad she got at least some armor on before they yeah. got, you know, beyond well, you know. PG 13. You don't wear clothes, but it, if everybody has a cutlass, you probably want something. Something, yeah. I was thinking, sa- you know, froofy sashes and, um, you know, but we never got there. Yeah. That's the fun thing about improv. You you have to let go of, <laughs> of uh, what you, what you were say thinking. Yes. Always say yes. And sometimes say delicious. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so zine of the caribbean justin mm-hmm. police on a stick we want to we want to dive into an interview with you about your books yeah. so um what what is uh which book of yours is most highly rated on amazon right now the single so my my main series is called the far shore chronicles it's a high fantasy adventure series um, the book of the whole series that is overall rated the highest is the second book, which is called Into the Shattered City, which is sitting real close to five stars and a little over 100 reviews. So I'm really happy with that average. I think it's probably rated well because like, it has a lot of unexpected kind of twists. It's sort of a, it's a little bit almost like of a heist story where the crew that gets together in the first book is sent on a suicide mission to this cursed city. Um, and a lot of the main, like the main part of the book kind of revolves around them trying to just figure out what is this curse because no one's ever come back from it alive and trying to find this treasure that um, they've been sent to retrieve in order to earn their freedom from a gladiatorial arena, essentially. Um, so I think maybe that some of that mystery element there and it's, it's sort of the first, like in the first book, because they're in a gladiator arena, you don't, you kind of get introduced to the world, but you don't see that much of it. And so then the second book, they get to like take off cross country and it's more of a chance to like explore this fantasy setting that at least I think is pretty interesting. And I, I think a lot of readers seem to agree. It's fairly interesting. Um, the books are set in a kind of a alternate take on the discovery of the new world where the people who like humans who live in like sort of an old world Europe post-Roman imperial world that sort of, they killed all the magic like centuries ago in a giant crusade. And so nobody really believes magic is real. Um, and then this explorer discovers a new, a new world and finds that it's populated by all of the kind of mythical creatures and strange magic and stuff from their children's stories. Um, and so everybody and the kind of the far shore is this one human colony in this new world. And everybody ha- kind of has to, adapt and figure out how to fit in and survive across this huge ocean in a world that doesn't make sense to them. Uh, and the main character charity is a thief who is dropped there sort of as part of the penal colony offloading of like heavy labor and has to sort of survive by her wits and stay one step ahead of all the crazy stuff that she is figuring out. So I think it opens up a lot more of that stuff in the story that you kind of get hints of in the first book, um, which is maybe why, why people enjoyed it more. How many books are in that series now? Uh, six total. 
and um, I am working on the final three books of the series kind of all at once. And I'll be releasing them. I'm going to start releasing them this fall and we'll do kind of like a quick, quick finish and get through the, the end of this, get through to the end of the series by probably like spring of next year. All right. Very cool. And how do you, how do you know when it's time for a series to be done? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think part of the answer is when you want to write something else more than you want to write what you're going to like your current (laughs) series, um, which is like half of my problem all the time. Um, I think for this story, I, I had from about the end, from about the point when I finished the first book, I have had the final showdown of the whole series really clear in my head um, and kind of like, which has been nice. So like the, I've been laying groundwork for where everything is headed and the giant stakes that are building and dropping like little hints about things cumulatively over the series because I've known where it's going to go. Um, and I had been planning to do more like, I don't know, 10 to 12 books maybe. Um, but then over the, over the holiday break, I sat down and kind of like, I outlined all the main scenes and moments that I'm really, really excited about. Like, what are all the things that I'm really looking forward to writing? And I realized that like 90 some percent of them all happened in about three more books. And the others were kind of filler, I guess, that I was just, that I had kind of thought, oh, there's this one little idea. Here's this one little idea. So I kind of trimmed it down and just focused on like, what are the, what's the essential story that I'm really excited about and kind of what's the payoff for these characters, I think is the other part of it. Like I want to get to a point that feels like a really satisfying payoff for charity, especially, and and kind of for all of them. And so to me getting to the point when I, I hate that thing in like a TV series where you're watching and you're like, man, they really should have ended this two seasons ago. Like it's not, I, you know, I'm going to keep watching cause I'm sort of invested in these characters and everything, but, it feels circular and the, the, the plots are starting to feel more and more thin. And especially in a fantasy series where typically your characters are actually growing in power in some way over time, it gets to such ridiculous proportions in order to like still challenge them. So like by the end of the series, charity is literally going to be facing down like a vengeful God. And it's like, where do you go from there? Like after that's resolved, like, do I bring in like a bigger vengeful God? Yeah, probably not. Like it probably makes sense to just sort of like, I would rather have a really strong and clear conclusion to the story that's satisfying and ends with that wow feeling and like, let it be that and let it stand on its own than try to kind of string it along further after that. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, so just it's like when they do Fourth of July uh, fireworks and they have the huge finale, and then somebody finds like three more in the bottom right. of a box. And gets, <laughs> like, pop, let's shut them pop, off pop. too. Let's just do it, and then yeah. everybody's like, "What is that for?" Yeah. <laughs> did you do that? Why? Just save them for next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Justin, you and I have have co-written three books in the Stetson yeah. Stetson series, and people are often really fascinated about co-writing because many authors say, I, how can you do that? I can never do mm-hmm. that. And, um, and we had a lot of fun with it and, and are uh, preparing now to, to get some more of those Stetson Jeff 
books out on the market too. But I would love to, let's not talk about Stetson Jeff too much because, I mean, it speaks for itself. All the things. <laughs> it speaks for itself. If you if you want to read Stetson Jeff, you're going to laugh a lot. But um, reflect a little bit on co-writing and what that's been like for you and what you like about it, what you don't yeah, like about it too. I've loved our co-writing process. Uh, it's a little bit like improv. I think the first rule of co-writing is that you have you can't be too married to your one idea or the exact way you think you would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're super invested in a particular outcome for a story, then you should just write it. Um, the best, all the best parts of co-writing are the surprises that come from a different author's style and approach and interests and background and point of view kind of mixing in with yours and bringing unexpected outcomes. Like I can I definitely say like Stetson Jeff is a very different book than I think either of us would have written on our own. And that's what makes it fun to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so mechanically, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about it and you have to fig- figure out. I think for us, we landed on, it became clear that we have like different styles of writing and different strengths in writing. So instead of trying to do everything completely co-equally, we ended up splitting up the process more where we would collaboratively outline the story beats and the thrust of where we're going with the story. And then Adam, you would do more of the drafting and then I would do more of the polish, expand, refine, finish second round. Um, And that's I I feel like that's when it really clicked more in terms of our approach, just because it, it gave room for each of our like natural strengths to kind of feed into the process. Um, but I always loved that. Like I loved reading your drafts because it was always like seeing a take on a scene or a story beat that we had talked about together, but then seeing it played out in a really different way or in unexpected ways that would always surprise me. And then it was like, oh, that's so fun. And then I could do this. Um, mm. And I think you have to really love that part of it for because it, it's weird. You would think, well, having two authors would make it all would make it mean like it's half the work. And I don't think that's actually true. In some ways, I think it's almost more work to co-write because you've got to do yeah. so much more to coordinate. Yeah. Um, but it, it just brings a different. It just brings out a different thing. Um, and it can be I think you learn a lot. Like I've learned a ton from working with you on things and reading your stuff and seeing how you approach things. I, I know I've grown as an author that way. Um, oh yeah and it's just fun you know I, I think that part of it especially for people with like writing is such a lonely thing to do most of the time so it's fun to find a way if you can collect collaborate with someone that you get on well with and that like we just goof off all, all the time and make each other laugh and have a lot of so it's it's nice to have some of that like social collaborative aspect too um in the mix well and i think that you you think in terms of beats so incredibly well that that's probably the biggest thing that i learned from from co-writing with you was sharpening my own skills at, at working with beats and thinking about them ahead of time. So it's, it's a great way to learn from one another. If you're open, as you said, to um, things not going your own way. And it is a little bit like watching an improv show that has been, or a show that started as an improv theater piece and then, just got polished into something um, even stronger by multiple edits, but it right. all starts with that same kind of 
very similar to what we did at the top of the show with just telling stories one word at a time. It's almost, it's almost like an expanded version of that. So anyway, um, that's, it's fun to talk about because I think, and I think another um, critical thing for people to understand is that you, you, you have to be, um, I don't know, the phrase equally yoked comes to mind. You need to work with somebody who also has some chops Mm -hmm. and, uh i'm really hesitant always i like people approach me and say could you co-write a book with me and i always say yes if you've shown me that you can complete your own book right on your you know to be able to to go through the entire process and get the book out there and have some some level of success with editing and and that kind of thing starting with someone who's never written their own book before can could be a potential minefield for sure i could see a scenario maybe where you're co-writing where both of you are really new and are figuring it out together and you know don't expect necessarily for what you finish to be like publishable but you might learn a lot and have fun with it i think like you said i think the important thing is just making sure that you're at a similar Mm. point with your co-author yeah. And that you have similar, um, similar goals, like you're doing it for similar reasons, uh, you know, coming at it from the same, from the same place. So that again, so that you just, there's, there's going to be enough like challenges to just, to just bringing both of your vision and both of your style together. Like that's already a thing you've got to do no matter what. So trying to kind of remove as many barriers as possible, I think is a good idea. But if, if both people have neither, neither person has ever published a, or finished a book before. Yeah. Uh, the, the potential for frustration is that one of the two would give up shows like, up and actually can do it. And the other one, one shows up, doesn't and, follow through. <laughs> and the, and yeah. then the other one wants to take credit for what's there when, yeah. when one person did all the work. So uh, it, yeah, don't make it like that high school thing where one person does the group project and the other people just stand up there and say, "Here's our group project." Yeah, yeah. and want to put their name and and get the royalties. <laughs> yeah, our uh, our daughter's a freshman in college and and uh, homeschooled most of the way through uh, before college, and so was very unaccustomed to working with others, and just did her group project. And uh, I won't say a whole lot about it, but there was a lot of frustration there on her part. So. I can understand uh, that. We just walked through that with her trying to coach her through that process. But Mm -hmm. um, one question we always have to ask, I think, Justin, pantser or plotter? I'm uh, used to be an over plotter, I would say. I came to writing way through the, I would write like, so my first book took me like 17 years to finish. Now I started when I was 14. So most of those 17 years were just me being a terrible writer who everyone, almost everyone's a terrible writer when they start and figuring like learning how to write well through the process of trying to get this story out. Um, but a huge, a big part of the reason it took so long is that I would spend a lot of my energy obsessing over plot outlines instead of writing the book, <laughs> which is, I think the biggest weakness or one of the big weaknesses of high plotters like me is we can feel like we're getting a lot done when we're actually just outlining. And, <laughs> and there's only so much you can really know in advance. So as I've written and finished more, I've gotten a lot better at streamlining what my outlines need to look like and doing a lot more of what Stephen Pressfield talks like hanging your wash on the line, where it's like you have your line that starts and ends 
and you hang like the really important scenes, the really important moments where really significant narrative turns are happening. Make sure that you know what those are and make sure that they're well connected to each other. So there's a flow, but leave space in between them for serendipity and creativity as you're writing to, to bring stuff out. So I've got, I think I've gotten a lot better at being a more organic writer as I've, as I've just done it more. Uh, but definitely even still, like I can't start a book until I have an outline and I can't, I can't write out of order. I like, I have, it just, I, it drives me absolutely batty to try to write a scene that happens. Like I have to write them chronologically. It's just how my brain is. So even still, I'm, I'm still, I would think probably a pretty high plotter. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and working with beats can really help deplot you and, you know, and I know that working together helped deplot you yeah. a little bit with the co-writing and it definitely helped de pants me. So um, <laughs> I'm always up for de pantsing Adam whenever possible. <laughs> that seems to be the theme of the day here. <laughs> so so we yeah. gotta we gotta wrap up. Uh, but you know, for our audience, you can Justin will be with us a little bit more often as Aaron steps out for a couple of months and takes a break. And um, so you're going to we'll have lots more fun conversations with other authors in the near future. And thanks for joining us. And uh, Justin, especially. Thank you. Tell us one time real quick where people can find your books. Mainly on Amazon. Uh, they're in the Kindle Unlimited program. So if you're a KU subscriber, you can read the whole series as part of that. So if you just search Far Shore Chronicles on Amazon, you'll find them all there. Uh, there's also an audio book of the first box set the first three books which i uh, recorded myself and had a lot of fun with so if you're more into audiobooks you can find that on audible great thanks for sharing that and we'll see you all soon i'm going to stop yep. the recording